Matt, how are you? I just thought I'd give you a call because we're doing like one of our first refresh episodes where we go back and look at someone's previous interview and get their reaction to it. And That's cool. Retro episodes. It's all about looking back and I guess learning I like that. what you can from your past self. Okay. Looking back. Yeah. Look, I, I've obviously I've worked in quite a few agencies over the years, but it's not really quite a few when you compare them to how many agencies there are out there. Yeah. And you know, when I joined Streamtime, you know, I thought like you do when you're in an agency that you, you know, you, you're great at what you do and, you know, we do things the best and all that kind of stuff. You know, suddenly I'm exposed to like a thousand different of agencies. Course. And, yeah. you know, we all do the same thing in on the whole in terms of like the process and stuff, but everyone does it completely differently. Yeah, I can imagine. You wouldn't believe like the number of times you get a, an agency and they'll talk to you and they'll go, look, surely everyone does this. <laughs> and you go... No, they don't. I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> so yeah, it, you know what? It's a really humbling experience actually to kind of see that there are other ways of doing things and probably better ways of doing things than I've done them before as well. So there's a nice, that was a nice little trip down memory lane. Enjoy the uh, rest of the episode, mate. Sounds great. That was Andy Wright, CEO of Streamtime, good friend and supporter of ADR. If you haven't tried out Streamtime before, make sure you do. You can get a free trial and a 20% discount by going to streamtime.net forward slash ADR 2020. Welcome to Australian Design Radio, a podcast seeking to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. As part of that, we acknowledge traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their enduring connections to the land, knowledge and stories. I'm recording this on Gundungurra and Durrug country and I pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I'm your host, Matt Leach, and on this episode we're doing something a little different with our first reissue episode. This is where we delve into the archives and go through an old episode, pull out a few sound bites, and then get the original guest to comment on them. The original guest in question is Mr. Christopher Doyle, who joined us way back at the start on our second episode. Now, Chris has been a guest a few times on ADR, so it was a real pleasure to talk with him and explore what's changed in the 130 episodes since we first recorded. Producing this episode was a trip back in time. At the time of the original recording, we had one mic and a stationary cupboard to record in. This room got so hot that we had to have breaks to let the air in. We also weren't sure what the show was about, or even if we wanted to keep doing it. It's such a privilege to look at the past and acknowledge how far you've come, but also how far you have to go. For Chris, the intervening years have seen a lot of change. And as always, he's not shy about being completely honest, and I really wanted to thank him for that. I'm not sure this would have worked any other way. As it was, we were recording in lockdown across the internet with only an echoey room available on Chris's side. So apologies about the sound quality. I so wanted to do this in person and have a proper catch up with him, but alas, that's not the world we live in at the moment. I'll start by dropping into the first soundbite right at the start of the second episode when we awkwardly ask Chris to introduce himself. So today we have with us the Honourable <laughs> Judge. The, the Mr. Chris Doyle. Hello. So this is where we normally ask and, and this is where it always gets a bit awkward. Sure. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, I can do that. I am, <clears throat> well, yeah, I'm Christopher Doyle. Um, correct. Um, I'm a, uh, I wrestle with this. I'm a graphic designer, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I, a designer sounds a little more uh, senior than graphic designer, but I generally go with uh, graphic designer. Um, and I run a really small agency. It's kind of a two-person team at the moment. 
Um, and prior to that, I was at kind of branding agencies of varying sizes, design studios in Sydney, uh, and originally from Canberra way back when, about 12 years ago. And yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, personally, you aren't married, two kids. It's... <laughs> Do you have any pets? <laughs> no, I got pet hates, right. which you have to feed and look after. It's very similar oh, to man. having a real pet. Oh, um, what's, what's your biggest pet hate? Pet, pet hate of the week. With having to describe what I do on a, <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast, which I did tell you before we pressed record. But um, uh, yeah, no, that's the only thing I've got the shits about at the moment. I hate it when yeah. people can't describe themselves well. Yeah, it's, yeah, damn it. Okay, so you've heard the first soundbite, and all I can say yep. is thank God that we stopped letting guests introduce <laughs> themselves. I think I think after we did that one with you, we were like, yeah, that doesn't work, does it? Yeah, I think I wasn't expecting it either, which is which is <laughs> terrible because I should have been I should have been more prepared and professional than that. But um, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm happy to introduce myself. I mean, we all spend our lives introducing ourselves to people anyway, don't we? Like it should be it should come quite naturally. Yeah, I don't know whether it does come naturally. I'm no. I'm always stuck when people ask me what I do. Actually, yeah, sorry, that aspect of it is, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. But the bit I want to dig into is right off the bat, you said designer sounds more senior than graphic designer, but I, I refer to myself as a graphic designer. Yeah. So you weren't putting yourself into that senior role straight away? No, I think, it, I actually listening back to that now, I think it's a weird choice of words. I think it was, I think graphic designer... Uh, and, and I think it's a problem. I think for graphic designers, it, it comes with this kind of like, you know, in the weeds kind of doing the, you know, this is like the graphic designer that creates my menus for my restaurant, which is, which is, you know, which is obviously totally fine and, um, and, and, and valid. But I think in a lot of people's minds, it's a, it's not a, there's not a lot of sophistication or, or kind of craft or, you know, or cleverness that can come with it, which I think really undersells and under kind of appreciates the amount of work that goes into into great design so yeah i think i i'm i'm sort of still in two minds about it i think i like i the graphic designer aspect of it i still have i will always hold a place in my heart because i think that's kind of what i studied to do you know and i think it's what 20 years ago was that was that was the goal you know that was what i wanted to be that was kind of what i had learned about and and i still i still I find something quite sort of romantic and nostalgic about the idea of graphic design and, and mm. the idea of, you know, sitting down and doing doing that as a job. So I still I still really like that. I think the thing that um I think the thing that changed quite quite dramatically since we had that conversation was was that the team was really, really small and I was doing a lot of design work and still very much in the tools. I was in the very infancy of the kind of studio being set up. Um, and then sort of we went through, you know, we sort of grew in the last few years out to sort of five people and my role changed, you know, quite dramatically. Uh, and then we've kind of scaled back again, you know, earlier this year, back to kind of myself and one other designer. So I've kind of back into, you know, back into a lot more of the doing. But I think the thing that changed, which, you know, which I think and a lot of a lot of it's classic imposter syndrome that a lot of designers will say to you is they they get to a stage where they're uncomfortable calling themselves creative directors. But, you know, that's that's kind of what I am, you know, and yeah. I've, I've kind of accepted that I am. And I think it, yeah, I think it took me a while. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've spent the last kind of three or four years doing, right, is, is kind of directing and, and and shaping the out the studio's output. And I'm now sort of going back to, you know, a lot more design than I was a few years ago in the last few years. But, but still, ultimately, that's my job. And does it feel good to be back on the tools or? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, I would say I never really kind of got off them. And I know designers love to say that. But one of the things I really was 
one thing I was really, really kind of mindful of when I left an agency and set up on my own was that I wanted to stay very, you know, very kind of on the tools. Not even if I wasn't actually doing a lot of the work myself, I wanted to stay across what was happening in design and and, and trends and changes and, and developments and and also just knowing confidently that I could get in and, and do something if I needed to, you know. And there's things obviously technology wise and program wise and, and, and sort of skill set wise that have evolved, which means that I can't, you know, get in on everything that I'd like to. But but the things that I really enjoy doing, which I guess is probably the main reason I wanted to stay attached to it, I can I can still do. You know, I still feel like I can really get in on type and and, and layout and color and brand and, and all these sort of things from a not only from a thinking and kind of directional sort of perspective, but from a doing a doing perspective as well. Which, you know, I guess the other reason other than not wanting to be left behind is I actually really, really enjoy it. So I would hate if I yeah. somehow lost, you know, lost the ability to do it. I mean, that would be just such a sad thing because I it's, it just brings me so much joy. I'm kind of jumping into the second soundbite already, but just yeah. do you do you feel that you're able to keep on top of all the changes, particularly in the tools, I guess? No, I don't I don't think so. No. I think the thing that um the big change for me has been, and it's something that I really kind of avoided for a long time, was was really trying to sort of get into into digital design, you know, get into, you know, and I'm talking even it's just as simple as site site design. And I think for the last few years, again, having a having a bigger team and and, and I guess all of those all of those team members really being able to design websites meant that I wasn't doing it. So, you know, I kind of I kind of left agency world where I didn't really have to do it and and then entered into sort of solo land where I didn't really get a lot of those kind of briefs and then hired and then we got we started to get more of that kind of work, but I wasn't doing it. Um, you know, and and all of this is all of this is connected to my the lack of desire I had to want to learn, you know, these these new things, you know, which I'm I'm terrible at kind of um and sort of taking that stuff on board. But look, I also think it's I also think it's time, you know, like it's age and it's kids and it's it's the busyness of, you know, I think and I think we had this conversation at the time is that I don't have the time to sort of sit down and go, cool, for the next few months, I'm really going to devote myself to After Effects, you know, yeah. like things like that. Like I just, you know, and I know, and not, and, and, and as, yeah, as I said, it's not, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm old and, and grumpy in the sense that I don't, <laughs> I don't often want to learn new things, um, but which is, which is terrible. It's certainly in our industry, but in most industries, it's terrible. You've got to have an appetite for that sort of stuff, but um, it's the hours in the day yeah. and it's where I'm, where I'm pulled, you know, and I think things like, Things like motion, especially man, just so complicated. Like the learning curve on that stuff, doing that stuff really well, is just huge. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in it. I, I love directing it. I love kind of feeding into it, and I and I know what I like, but I don't, I don't have the desire or the time to learn how to do it. But yes, but sorry, digital designing is something I really am trying to make myself sort of do more of. And I think things, you know, u- using tools like Figma and Sketch, and and sort of having having these really lightweight, fast versions of those kind of programs come out has has made it more attractive and i'm yeah it still feels foreign to me but um but i'm i'm enjoying it it's good that you're keeping a hand in there because i always remember one of my first junior design roles and Mm. i was sitting at the computer and the creative director was trying to like show me what he wanted and i was like oh do you want to just do it he was like oh no i don't touch those things (laughs) (laughs) and i I, I always thought like i don't want to ever be like that like i always want to like oh, at least no. understand what's going on yeah 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 man i love it i want to yeah you want to be able yeah exactly you want to be and i think that's where motion i i have no idea what's going on you know i i sit with steven you know who i work with who who does it he does lots of lots of after effects and motion work for us and i i mean i i don't know what's going on like it's just like there is and that's a complicated program you know um 
Whereas I'm really forcing myself to kind of get into Figma and, and try and actually sort of play with that and, and, and design, you know, at least I'm, so I'm sure I'm doing it in a, in an atrociously disorganized and, and sort of not efficient way, but I'm, but I'm trying and I'm doing it and, um, you know, and it's fun. It's, it's, yeah, I'm enjoying it, but yeah, I mean, that would be, I, I can't even imagine having that attitude, man. like not, not being able to want to get in there and, as you say, at least understand how it happens. But even better, be able to actually be part of it happening. I think that's mm. yeah. I would I would hate if I got to that stage. But man, the size that we're at, I, I don't have that. I just don't have that luxury either. So yeah. can I ask about the size as well? Like, is it mm. a conscious decision to be around that size? Have you found found the sweet spot? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Although I think it's still in a in a really transitional phase. I I came out of like last year. Just, just so weighed down by work and so exhausted by it, and 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 really found myself quite like sort of mentally just really in a corner and not not really kind of knowing sort of what what the next phase of it would be and not really enjoying it. And you know, I had lots of kind of incredible sort of people sort of working as part of the team, and I I had this I did have this kind of just I guess this moment where I realised that I had the you know because it is it is a business that i own and i run that i had the ability to kind of reshape it to i guess to see if that informed my happiness you know and and which that sounds harsh and and it was a it was a horrible couple of months to to sort of manage and, and deal with with people and a lot of kind of guilt and kind of sadness and stuff that kind of went on with me personally but but also it was kind of i, I did really feel like i was sort of up against the wall i'm kind of like if i'm not enjoying this to the point where i don't want to do it then that's really unhealthy it's also not of no use to the people who are working in the company either. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. It's kind yeah. of like it's one thing for me to not want to be there and or, or not 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 want to be there, but not enjoy it to the point where I can mask it and get on with it. But that that's not really sustainable. So that impacts everybody else, and it's it sort of ends up being no great use of anyone's time. So so it was just about sort of stepping back. Yeah, we we stopped. We finished up with a couple of really big clients that we were sort of working with, and and just sort of just scaled it right back. I think I've got a sweet spot in the sense that I do feel like I'm very much in control of it now and I've got a bit more time back. It's also just really hard to judge in lockdown and in pandemic, isn't it? Because you yeah. you don't, you know, it's hard to kind of go things are going really well when so many things are going so so badly. So um but I do think in that little sweet spot we had a couple of months ago, I did yeah, I did feel like it was back in the spot where I felt more comfortable. You know, I also man, there was also just a massive, a massive kind of thing which I'm sure is just connected to ego and and, and insecurity around building the business to a certain size and then scaling it back and then connecting that to failure, you know, like right. I'm like, okay. you know, like that, that, you know, but then I look at lots of studios I love in, in Australia and all over the place that are small, you know, one, two, three people doing, doing really lovely work. But I did, if I'm really honest, I had this thing of like, okay, if I can't sustain this and I'm not excited about it, does that mean that I'm, I failed or I'm not very good at it? Well, you yeah. know, and which was, yeah, I found that really hard as well. And, but as I said, I kept coming back to this thing of like, but I'm so unhappy. So it's like, it, it didn't matter what kind of argument I sort of put to myself around it, you know, that I still ultimately circled back to the fact that it had to change. And and I do, I do feel happier for it. I know that sounds, as I said, there's, that's a complicated thing to say because it affected quite a few people when I changed it all. But, but I personally feel like I've definitely clawed back some of the kind of sanity that I didn't feel I had. I, I, have, I was already sort of last year, I think pre pre first sort of you know when things got hairy with with COVID I had sort of started and I was quite good at it not working Fridays or, or working from home on Fridays which yeah. which sounds really normal now in the, you know the current state of things but for me for me it was really foreign you know because I was just used to kind of working five days if not if not six for many many years and 
and and and not not because things were kind of out of control because I just really enjoyed it. You run your own business, and that's it's kind of all consuming. But I got to the point where, like, that was one of the main things. And actually, one of the guys, like, when I was in a I was in a performance review with with Stephen actually, and 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 he actually suggested it to me. He said, "Why don't you?" He said, "Next year, why don't you actually take more time out? Like, why are you not like if you're if you're feeling kind of you know like it's like you don't have the space to breathe and all that kind of stuff, then why?" You know, why not carve our time? That's what the team's there for, which which makes total sense, you know. And I think that I hadn't really thought about it until we had that. He and I had that conversation, and then I just kind of managed it, and it was and it was fine. So I ended up taking these kind of like Fridays off for a very long time, but it still didn't really change enough for me, like in terms of still feeling a bit sort of overwhelmed and and sort of just generally sad about it. Um, which again, I know it's it's, it's I find that sort of stuff quite hard to talk about because. I didn't, you know, everybody in the business, you know, was having like the, things were fine. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just personally felt like I needed to change it, and and yeah, that was the kind of that was the way out of it. And and as I said, I I really did. I know it sounds like I don't want to use the word epiphany because I think it's like it's you know it's it's, it's not a word that I would feel comfortable using. But I did have a real a real very very clearly defined turning point where I was just like I don't have to do this, but I want to do it. You know, like there's going to be fallout there's going to be complications there's going to be awkward conversations but i don't have to keep doing this you know and i think not like the majority of people don't have that luxury in the, in, in their jobs and their lives you know and I, i'm very very thankful for it um but it meant that i could make a very significant change and see if i was happier on the other side and, and i am it's that that's just the honest the honest truth yeah it's so interesting hearing you talk about like you feel like a failure and this i guess this imposter syndrome because when mm. i look at your work like just you know the amount of stuff you've done and the clients you've worked for mm. it, it do you ever look at your work and realize that you've had a lot of success or is that is it always about the I, next job I think it's a bit of both I really in the last couple of years I can kind of look back and I can really clearly see things that I'm very proud of and things that we've done that I think uh yeah that I think have either you know really helped businesses or have been sold in a you know, in a really original way or, or just things that you're proud of. And I think that I, I can do that. I, I absolutely can do that. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an arrogant, you know, kind of no, viewpoint. I think it is. It is. It's just, I mean, I've been working for 20 years, you know, like it's, it's, it's looking back and going, yeah, you know, we, we've made a lot of really cool stuff together and, you know, and, and we've been, you know, we've done, we've, we've done things and people have said nice things about it. And that's, yeah, I am, I am, I can look back and say that, but the flip of that is I'm I'm still man, I, I honestly like I'm I'm I, I am as hungry and as excited about the next brief as I was twenty years ago. And yeah. I and I you know, it really just that just proves to me how much I love what I do is I'm genuinely excited about every every new, you know, opportunity, you know. And I think that so yeah, there is and I think that I think that's a really healthy thing. I would hate if I didn't have that. If you weren't excited about yeah, that next thing or that yeah. next brief or then I don't know. What is there left to do? You know, like if you can't, if you don't feel like you've got any more to kind of offer, or or feel like, or you or you feel like you've done your best work. I think that's the other thing. While I can look back and go, I really liked some of the stuff we've done, and I, you know, some things I think we've done really well, some we've done not so well, and and like, but if you if you kind of go like I'm done, then you know what that that to me would be a terrible terrible feeling, and I, and I have absolutely no, that's never even crept into my brain that that I can that mm. I can put my feet up or that we've achieved enough or done enough. No. It's that weird thing about like older designers and us who are entering retirement. They talk about that being a really scary time. Because mm, mm. you're stopping, right? Mm. Like you, you know, and I think you read about really famous designers like, you know, like Bob Gill and, and, and people who are, 
you know, people who are really working into their 70s and 80s and, mm. you know, people like Alan Fletcher and, and, and I, I like, yeah, I would hope that happens to a degree. I'm also, I also feel a lot more comfortable with the idea of approaching it slowing down though than I ever have before. And I wonder whether that is, I mean, it would be nice if that was connected back to actually being proud of the output, you know, because I think that yeah. there is that, that thing of like the more proud I can, I can be when I look back and kind of go, you know, are, are we happy with what we've done? Am I, am I happy with what I've sort of put out into the world? And yeah, the more comfortable you are with that sort of tapering off, I guess, you know, and I think that, but yes, as I said, I'm not, neither of those things are completely resolved. I'm not hundred percent satisfied that we've done, you know, all the things that we, that yeah. we want to do or, I, or I'd want to achieve. And, and certainly I'm not, yeah, not, not hungry for the next thing either, but I'm sure that point will come. So yeah, I don't know. I'm very tired. I do, I, I do find, I mean, I don't know. Are you, are you finding that you're just kind of, like, are you getting to the point where it's the exhaustion thing, right? Like going to yeah. bed so much earlier, like before the girls. Yeah, and... you know it switches when you go to bed before your kids, right? Like that's got to be a clear, <laughs> that's a clear tipping point where you go in and you, you go in to check on your kids and they're still up, and then you have this awkward thing of like, well, I'm actually going to bed, so <laughs> you'll be the last one awake in the house. Like yeah. that, that's really crept up on me in the last like year or so. Yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> that definitely sort of plays in my mind. How how exhausted I am. So, um, but that was also part of the change, right? Just getting back a bit more of a manageable, you know, manageable workload and saying, saying no to things that we know we are too big and can't take on and yeah. saying yes to the things that we can. And I think that's, that's kind of, so far the plan has, has worked. Okay. Shall we listen to the second soundbite? Sure. Go for it. They are just concerned with the front end. So really wow. just kind of look and feel and ideas, which, you know, is not, I guess it's not uncommon as a structure and they were they were really surprised at the idea that because a couple of guys put up their hands in the audience and said that we you know I'm a designer developer and that and you could see Matt and Tim were kind of sort of reeled back you know saying you know that's that's really rare that if you, you yeah. I guess really rare in the sense that you could do both those things really well and and I think he's I think Tim actually said that oh, sorry Matt actually said that he said I'd be not surprised but he said it's it's amazing when you meet people who are as good a developer as they are a designer they had a guy they did some work with or a friend who 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 kind of straddled both disciplines and they said he was quite good at both but he admitted to them, which was interesting, that he found he found himself uh, holding back on his design work because he knew he had to build it, yep. which is, you know, so you kind of sit there, uh, you know, restraining yourself because you've got, as you say, this entirely other hat on yeah. where you know, oh, this might not work or that's going to really be a pain in the ass to build. So maybe I'll just, mm-hmm. maybe I won't do it that way. Whereas they come in and go, let's build the most, or let's design the most amazing thing we can and wait for the guys to tell us we can't do it. Back in, yeah, you know, and get pulled yeah. back so, rather so than go, go the other way, way. And they go this way yeah. and meet somewhere in the middle. And I don't, you know, I can't, I guess I'm, I'm a good example of that. I can't possibly comprehend having space in my head or time in the day mm. to understand how both those streams of work would work. So you've just been to a talk, it's about Sons & Co. And I guess one of the things that you really took away was that they were graphic designers first and weren't that interested mm. in the code. And mm. this kind of led to a conversation about whether a designer can be a dev at the same time. Mm. Mm. Do you still feel the same? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was, I think, I think listening back now was actually quite a uneducated, uh, ill-informed take on the whole thing. But, um, but look, I think it still seems to be, there still seems to be that divide. Definitely. I mean, we, yeah, we, every sort of web developer we work with, they're not, they're not designers. They're not web designers. It still, mm. it still seems to be, and again, I, I, I'm not, I don't really 
spend a huge amount of time in that world, but there still seems to be that's very much a path that you, you are on or, or, or a kind of, you know, a segment of, of our industry where people work in, in development and there seems to be a very clear category of people who work in the design of digital, you know. I, and maybe it will change in the future, I don't know. But again, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to kind of get outside your own your own immediate experiences with it, and ours are that we very much kind of put our energy into into digital design very much from a visual kind of standpoint, and and then go to somebody who's going to help us help us build it. And those guys are, yeah, they're not designing it; they're purely building it. You know, I think what's amazing about that, I saw a Sons and Co website the other day, and I hadn't seen one in a while. Whether I'd missed them or I just but I caught one that was shared in um in my Twitter feed, I think, and I went and looked at it, and I just Again, it was just the weirdest, most unconventional, you know, yeah. like, I don't know whether you saw it was a, it was a website for an artist, I think in New Zealand, it does, it does all this in, incredible, very um, conceptual art. And it was, and it was, and it was essentially a website for that, for that artist's practice and, and showing all the works and stuff like that. But I remember seeing it just think, man, like again, just like, just not what you expect websites to, to look like or, or you, or how you expect them to behave, you know? Mm. And I think, I just think they do such interesting work, but yeah, those guys are, you know, I still think that's the approach. And it looks like graphic design work that just lives on a screen, mm. you know? And I think that's, I think that their work has always looked like that to me, which, which is, which I guess is what they were saying in that talk. They spoke a bit about that, that friend of theirs who was a bit of both but then talked about that they, if they're honest with themselves, they're always holding themselves back. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which I found really interesting, which which we don't have as much, you know, because we don't, yeah, we don't know. We don't sort of, we're not thinking about the bill. We're just thinking about, you know, can you make it look as, as great as you can and how it works and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, but I do wonder what, what that process would be like in terms of if you did do both, you know, if you were, whether or not people run businesses where they do both, whether they work in agencies, they're expected to wear both hats. I mean, I, I, I'd be fascinated to hear from people who, who are listening to this around whether or not that's a common thing, because I it certainly has never been in my experience. Have you seen much of that sort of stuff, or do you see it going that way? No, I mean, there's more designer devs than ever before, I think. But yeah. I think having a dev on the team has been a real eye-opener to me. In the sense, yeah, right, yeah. Just, just even in those meetings, they said, "Well, we could do this," and you're like, "Well, I didn't mm. even know you could do that." So, yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of opened up my brain a little bit more to what what is available. I mean, man, well, for a long time we talked about, well, not seriously, but sort of fantasized about hiring a developer. I think if you had, you know, when when the business was bigger, you know, if we had if we had the volume of work that could sustain having some in house development, it's the same as copywriting. Like the idea of having people in those roles yep. in the business would just be amazing. Like to be able to kind of build and, and iterate really quickly with web. Um, yeah. I think would be such a cool thing to have in house, but it's, but the majority of studios, small studios who do the sort of work that we do don't have in-house developers because you mm. just don't, you know, you don't have, you don't have this kind of bank of websites piled up, you know, if you, if you're, if you're kind of working broadly in graphic design. So they, you know, the, the majority that I know then outsource that work to develop yeah. yeah. Which kind of leads us into the third soundbite, so we'll just have a sure. listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, do am I do I meant to turn around now and two or three nights a week am I meant to be going and learning about UI and UX and coding and all that yeah, kind of stuff? Right, and I yeah. and 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 I don't believe I am. I think I and I talked to I talked a little bit about this with um one of the guys from RGA at an Apple store talk a little while ago. I don't know if you guys are right. Um, and it was and we and he was talking about RGA obviously being one of one of the most progressive digital agencies in the world. Him talking about this amazing culture they have where everything's in house, you know. And and you, you know you talk to Mike Rigby who's over there in New York who I used to work at Interbrand, 
with him and he he tells a similar story it's kind of like everything's there so you, you have an idea you want to build something you go into that room and you've got guys and they build it and it's it's an in, it's an incredible business model and what we were talking about was the fact that i don't have any of those any of those kind of people and you know mm. and then small studios don't have those people to kind of lean on so what's the alternative for that and the alternative I guess for someone like me or, or, or small studios is is collaboration and knowing you know when you sit down knowing as we said earlier knowing what those things can be and what shape they can take and all that kind of stuff but then also having relationships with people that can help you build those things yeah. you know and that's I think that's kind of become you know a new model in itself as well as these two or three or four person studios who I don't imagine are going out saying to their clients they can do everything or not everything really, really well, but knowing that they can partner with people, you know, and, and knowing you can kind of tap into a network of of individuals or small companies that do different things to what you do that are specialists. And it's always kind of been, that's always kind of been there because, you know, like five or six years ago, it would it was like, okay, we're going to do a photo shoot, you need a great photographer. And I'm not, I would never say I'm the guy because I'm not, I'm not a photographer, you know, and in, and I have the same conversation now with a client who says, you'll do our site. I say, yeah, I'll, I'll do your front end site and I'll get a guy to develop it, a guy that I partner with who runs a very stable business who develops my websites. And, and it's interesting, some clients don't bat an eyelid. Some clients mm-hmm. kind of take a second and go, oh, so you don't do that bit yourself. You know, and it's, mm-hmm. so there's just a, it's, it's never a bad thing, but there's a little bit of education around the fact that parts yeah. of that work can go to other companies and come back to you, you know. In the, but they wouldn't have batted an eyelid if you said, I'm going to get a photographer to do this job. Not that I've kind of taken on ginormous jobs, but some of, the, some of the jobs that have been a little bit bigger than the normal ones, clients don't seem, don't seem bothered at all about not going to large agencies. That's, mm-hmm. you know, which, I, which I think is great because I, I think they kind of realise now that you can, get, you can get work from a collective of people that aren't even under the same banner or the same corporate heading and get the same job. You know, and, yeah. that's, and, and there's no risk involved. It doesn't mean that it's going to be sloppy or loose. Because there's also, I think with that, with that rise of the kind of entrepreneurial, I'm going to start a studio attitude, is, is, is people are like crazy focused. You know, you've got, you've, got, yeah. you've got guys coming out of colleges who, are, who just want to get into a room and do the work. And it's, you know, they're really, mm. really, they're really driven. And, and you can have very hard working studios made up of three or four 25 year olds. And it's, you know, mm. you, you know, they win pitches, you know, and they, yeah. they, they can go against the big guys. People are coming out pretty talented. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about this idea of, I guess, clients being kind of on board with mm-hmm. like smaller studios that form a collective and that it's not such a big thing. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that still applies like five years later? Yeah, I think it really does. I think, um, interestingly, we just went through, I'm trying to think when we had this conversation, when did we have the, when was that? Do we know the date? Uh, no. So it would have been 2015. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually. So yeah, it's more than five years later. It's more, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think as well. I think the really, because uh, I think this came after this conversation that we, we had a, we had a really, really, you know, quite full on and productive and amazing, um, sort of four years with Spotify. And I think that, mm. that as a client, that was probably the best example of, of, of kind of what we, we had been talking about at the time. In that those, you know, those guys were when we sort of started working with them were quite a small Australian office, and it, and it, and it grew right. over the years. Um. That work came to us via someone there who worked in marketing, who I had worked with in a previous role. It was just just that kind of you know that sort of connection, professional connection sort of aspect. But but they, man, we were only three people, you know, when when we started working with them, and we were we were sort of five people by the like when we stopped working with them at the end. But but they, it just didn't, yeah, they didn't really matter kind of 
how big we were or or, any, or where we worked from or anything like that. I mean, they they were, you know, you're talking about one of the biggest, you know, digital brands in the world, you know, or, you know, and and those guys were just, they just wanted great work. They just wanted, you know, they just wanted a team of people to be on the work and have it delivered on time and on brand and done well. And And I think it was, that to me was a really amazing, I was always so proud of that relationship, not only because I think we did a lot of great work for them, but but we had managed to sort of retain them, you know, and I think like like sort of 10 years ago, that would have gone to a much bigger agency, you know, like the, the model of a, a brand like that sort of coming out and going, okay, we need now, you know, a, a, a retained agency to do yeah. a certain volume of work. I mean, it just, it wouldn't have gone to the three of us, you know, and I think what we did was that we worked really, really hard on it and we we really, really lived on it and and the relationship grew and then the team grew and, and accordingly and it was a really good example of that. And I think that, and I, I do think it's still sort of, I think it still sort of holds. We we have a few clients, again, who don't, no one, so look, a couple of clients want to know how big you are. You know, clients kind of occasionally say, okay, send us, send us all, you know, each of each of the team members and what they do. <laughs> like there's really only two roles and, <laughs> and, and we do, and we do everything. But, but yeah, that's, I understand that. I mean, certain, you know, clients need certain, certain, um, you know, you need you need certain scale on on projects and, and and sort of things to to make it work. But but no, generally, I think I think um, clients still just want great work. You know, and if you can deliver it and you have a track record and you can show that you've done it before, then then it doesn't really seem to matter. You know, we just yeah. as of I don't know as of what like Monday of this week had just have just launched a, a TikTok campaign. You know, which is quite quite a big campaign for us, and that work was done. You know, we had you know we had a, a motion designer Ian, who you know Ian sort of mm-hmm. helped help roll out um you know the video work on it, but but really otherwise it was just Stephen and I, you know, and I think that that to me again was a good example of of you know a really really big client kind of going okay, well we need to do a big sort of campaign in winter, and we had worked with some of the team at Spot uh, who had come from Spotify actually over to TikTok, and and so there was a again like a previous relationship there, but those mm-hmm. guys would like. Let's do it, you know, and 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 we did, and scale or anything like that just didn't, it just didn't even come up. So you know, which which I love because I think what it does is is it tells, it sends a very clear message that smaller studios can you know can can do great work, and you don't need sort of bigger you know often often bloated teams to to kind of to be able to tackle those kind of briefs. In that sort of case, are you adding Ian to the the document and saying he's one of ours? Well. No, we we haven't, and and to be honest, we haven't. We we didn't need to do a document for something like that, so I haven't. Mm. It hasn't actually ever come up where I have had to add Ian in, but I would. I know. I yeah, I'm always fascinated by how studios do that, where they where they do pitches and they say, "Well, this is our team," and yeah, there's a copywriter and a motion designer and a web developer, but they don't actually work there, but their yeah. photo looks like they do, and it's you know, I think everybody sort of cheats that stuff a little bit. <laughs> but um, we haven't actually, man, touch wood, I haven't had. Have, one of those props in where I've had to expand the team out, you know. Yeah. And the, the danger for that is, for me, it, I find I get really anxious about that stuff as well because if you present those broader, if I was to present those broader teams, but I didn't have, and this is because I'm quite, I, I'm quite a kind of, I, I'm a control freak in that sense that I, I need to know absolutely that something's going to happen and when it's going to happen and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that if you'd put those, if you sort of put these teams together and they weren't, you were kind of like sort of like bending the truth is that. If it doesn't work out, or those people aren't available, or they're not in the same room, I would, I personally, my personality type, I would find that quite, um, <laughs> I'd be quite anxious about that, you know. So I'm always much more confident to kind of go, you know, what we're much smaller. It's only, 
me and this person or me and these these two other people or whatever it is and just and then just having a crack and if it doesn't mm. work then then cool but i know it's a very it's a very common thing and, and no no kind of you know disrespect to anyone that does it that way because i think a lot of studios do but um but yeah i we haven't had to kind of fake build out the team just yet final so, question yeah. is just i guess yes. with that kind of idea of like you know, being small, remaining small, but like being mm. able to pull on people when you need them for specific things. Is yes. That, are those relationships you're building ahead of time in case the client comes along or are you finding those people when the clients um, come along? I don't, we very rarely build them ahead of time. I think what, what the, the only way that we would do that generally is if I had people approach me, you know, be they writers or photographers or, or any of that. And, and occasionally we do sort of see people like that and meet up and you just store those people away. You know, you file them away for sort of future yeah. use. I think in the case of someone like Ian or someone like Cat Wall, who's a writer that we work with a lot, like you have, there's such long-term relationships that they're just, you just hope that, you know, everything kind of aligns when the work comes off and that they're available. And that doesn't always work. You know, like it was amazing that I rang in a couple of weeks ago or Stephen did and we said, you know, we're going to have this this really intense kind of sprint on this on this TikTok campaign. And he was available, so it was kind of it was it, it worked really well because we had worked we yeah. worked together a lot anyway, and and know each other really well. But you know, I've run Cat lots of times as well to say, you know, this is coming up in four weeks or six, and then she's booked. You know, so it, it's it's tricky that stuff because you you sort of have a network that you rely on, but it's with freelancers and kind of um, solo operators, they're not always available as well. So it's kind of um, it's it's tricky to manage. But but as I said, I'm trying to kind of. I don't know. Is it talk the talk or walk the walk? I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to deliver on what what I had sort of set out to do early in the year, which was not which was to take a step back from it all and scale back, you know. And I think that the 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 worst version of that, or the most contradictory version and dangerous version, would be to start hiring people again. I can't, you know, because there's no there's just that that doesn't make sense. And I think that I did sort of you know I've had we've had a few sort of new business inquiries that. I think have been really exciting, but have just been too big for us in the last, in the last, particularly in the last couple of months, mm. you know, a couple of brands that I was just like, man, like that would be, you know, that would be actually amazing. But to do it, you need two or three other people and you need to hire for it. And then suddenly you, you kind of wake up, you know, three weeks later and I'm, and I'm back where I was six months ago. So it's, um, I'm trying to sort of, it's hard that stuff because again, it comes back to that hunger for the next brief and that excitement or, you know, like I kind of get and go, actually, that could be quite cool. I wonder how we can manage that. But then really it's like, I'm just constantly sort of checking myself to go, hang on, we can't do that. We just, you don't, we don't have time. I don't yeah. have, you know, I don't feel up to it or we, yeah, I'm you know, meant, meant to be taking a break from this. And it's, so in one way that sort of stuff's quite healthy because it just means I'm excited about the job, but it's also, yeah, it's also frustrating because I think I have to consciously say no to stuff that I would normally want to say yes to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really challenging the ego, isn't it? It is, yeah, because then you kind of go, well, someone else is going to get to do that, you know, <laughs> or we're, you know, like <laughs> Jamie Mitchell's going to do that job, or Paul Garvin, or Linda, or you know, like some someone else is going to take it on, and and I, you know, again, I have, I still, man, like I, as I said, I'm 20 years in, I still have that really healthy competitive <laughs> jealousy where. Someone, Stephen was telling me about a job the other day. I can't remember who the client was, and and I, and my first response was like, "How did they get that? You know, how like I, I was like, how, how did they get that brief? How, like, and, I'm, and I think that, it, and again, it's not, it's it's not in any kind of, uh, uh, it's it's I don't know whether it's jealousy as it is just com, like general kind of competitiveness and hunger yeah. to kind of be wanting to do, to do great stuff, you know. So yeah, and I think that's I think that's 
how a lot of designers are when they see other designers work you know it fuels your kind of excitement desire to do to do great stuff as well so but i am i am in this weird position now where for the last three or four years was able to kind of say yes to anything you know because we had a lot of hands and and now having to just sort of just so say no we can't do that you know like it sounds great but at the moment we can't do it so yeah it's hard but as i said ultimately i feel better for it and that was the goal so yeah thank you for joining us on our first reissue episode i let it run a little long there but chris just had so much good stuff to say so i hope you can forgive me if you want to see his work and learn more about the studio go to www.christopherdoyle.co as always, if you have any questions or feedback, you can get us at hello at ozdesignradio.com. I'd love to hear what you thought about the reissue episode, so any thoughts, send them through. Next episode, we have a new guest, Keisha Leon, and a new host, Milo Yeomans, who brought us the question, how can design help combat stigma? This will kick off our next mini-series. So until then, stay safe. Australian Design Radio is produced by me, Matt Leach, with digital advice and notion set up from Braden Towns. world's worst ringtone uh god day again you can't react to that bring bring